Children, three to five can be dismissed to Children's Church. The six to nine-year-olds can come up and get their clipboards. And the rest of you can turn to Romans chapter 16. Who do you think of when you think of faithful people who have ministered in this church or the church you grew up in? When you think back and you reflect on those things, especially reflecting back to childhood or other things, it's, I think the answer to that would often be some names of godly women that you think of. So I'm going to read you a couple lists today. It's always dangerous when you list, do a list of people who have done certain things because you guarantee you're going to leave out people and somebody will be offended. But I, I can get away with this list and I'll tell you why after I'm done with the two lists. So this first list, many of you will not recognize these names. Blanche Saunders. I'm not going to get through that list. There we go. It's going to be a long month, I can tell you that. Blanche Saunders, Pearl Bussing, Nellie Dewey, Ida Grober, Bernice Hubbard, Vita Meter, Anna Bowie, Ruth Stetson, Cindy Tesmer, LeVon Reed, Audley Brown, Sue Soto, Danelda Elkhorn, Janice Eggleston, Evelyn Spoon, Betty Stimson, Betty Skinner, Arlene DeMarco. All former members of this church who I've had the funeral for. So you don't want to be on that list, right? (laughs) See, I can get away with these lists. They have served as church officers, Sunday school teachers, prayer warriors. They've served in caring ministries, ladies missionary society, Children's ministries, cleaning, music, community service. There are others that could easily go on that list, but they either moved away or somebody else had their funeral. So um, there's other names that you could easily bring up in that same time period that aren't on that particular list. I'm going to read you a second list. These names you'll recognize. And I'll tell you why I can get away with this list afterwards. But... Kathy Bovee, Carol Camp, Meredith DeAnthony, Terry Eggleston, Stephanie Imers, Lee Ellsworth, Cheryl Hammond, Janet Menser, Anita Menser, Jewel Mooney, Wendy Strine, Lynette Warner, Betty Willett, Pam Zarpentine. I can get away with that list because they're all over 65, and none of you want to be on that list either, right? <laughs> now, again, there's many others, but these are people who are over 65 who have faithfully been loyal servants of our church for years. There's others who are, are faithful in more recent time, and, but they're over 65. They've been faithfully engaged in ministry in our church. Some are no longer actively engaged in ministry. They are and were teachers or uh, 
provided flowers and decorations. They planned fellowship dinners and special events. They were involved in caring ministries and finances and music and training and discipleship, sending out of cards, involved in, in building projects and work days. Um, you know, when we, I, recent weeks I had an album around here of different church activities and, and you're going to find a lot of these people, them and their kids out here working on buildings, some of these buildings and different things that were a part of what we done. Uh, we have a difficult time thinking of our church without them. That, that would have been true of the first list just as much as that current list. These people are a vital part of this church's ministry, but none of them is indispensable. God's work goes on the same, and that's true of of each one of us. We have a chance to be a vital part of God's ministry and an opportunity to to make a difference for eternity, Uh, but God's work will continue to go on uh, long after we are gone. Four years from now, this church, or the roots of this church, will have been operating in Chautauqua County for over 200 years. Um, The church started up in Waddlesburg initially as a result of an itinerary missionary preacher went through this area, and actually several of the churches in the area came as a result of that initial ministry of a guy named David Maine almost 200 years ago. Um, So you can go through a lot of names and a lot of people, and you recall different people that were involved in in your life and and ministry. And one of the things that we as a church believe and and hold to because we believe it's scriptural is that the New Testament does not remove all restrictions on the ministry of, of women. We believe the biblical qualification for pastor, elder, and for deacon is restricted to to men because of what the scripture itself teaches. And as a result of that, some people feel that we demean women or don't honor their ministry in the life of the church. Um, And I would want to say that Paul and the scriptures and and we and our would never want that to be characterized by how we talk and reflect about uh, what goes on in the life of the church. Women were an important and public part of the ministry of the church from the very beginning. Paul recognizes women along with men in Romans 16, implying their equality in the community and their participation together in ministry. And he had his own list of women. We're going to look at them today. In Romans 16, the first 16 verses, there's a list of names. About 10 of them are women. Um, And their lists of uh, people who were involved in significant ministries and in his ministry. Every believer is a minister of the Lord Jesus Christ, and that word basically means a servant. Uh, We're here to serve the Lord and to serve Christ in the church with important contributions to make to the life of the body. And we, like Paul, should take the lead in honoring women in ministry and seeking to involve them in all the ministries that the Lord provides opportunity for them to gauge in. So as we go to Romans 16 today, I'm going to read the first six verses and then we'll come back to that and some things after. It says, I commend you our sister Phoebe, a servant of the church in Sincrea. 
I asked to receive her in the Lord in a way worthy of the saints and to give her any help she might need from you, for she has been a great help to many people, including me. Chris, greet Priscilla and Aquila, my fellow workers in, Jesus, in Christ Jesus. They risked their lives for me. Not only I, but all the churches of the Gentiles are grateful to them. Greet also the church that meets at their house. Greet my dear friend Eponidas, who was the first convert to Christ in the province of Asia, and greet Mary, who worked very hard for you. So the first thing you begin to see in this passage is the recognition that Paul gives to women involved in ministry. Uh, the first phrase that he uses is, I commend to you. Uh, he's speaking particularly about a woman named Phoebe. So says she's praiseworthy. She comes highly recommended. Uh, in some sense, as Paul's writing this letter, it's almost, it's almost a letter of transfer. In our church constitution, among other things, it says a, a member who's faithful in good standing, who moves away and desires to do and uh, join another church, uh, will send a letter of transfer, a letter of recommendation, that this is somebody that you should, loves the Lord, serves the Lord, living for the Lord, you ought to welcome in, into your church family. And, th and that's how he was speaking about, um, about Phoebe. It was it's a term about introducing one person to another. Um, and when you meet them, that they are, are worthy. It's, it's this idea, I will place my reputation on the line in recommending this person to you. you know, aren't you thankful for people like that? One of the things a pastor gets to do often is fill out recommendations for people. And I'm always willing to do a recommendation for you, but here's the word of warning I'll give you. When I give a recommendation, I'm going to tell the truth. Because my name is on the line with you. And you have strengths and weaknesses. And so when I write that, I'm not going to say everything about you is glowing and wonderful and you do everything that anybody ever could do in the world because you can't. But I... I will give you a recommendation that fits. And so here he's, he's saying, I put my reputation on the line for this person. I commend her. Second thing he says is, I ask you to receive her in the Lord in a way worthy of the saints. So there's a picture of honoring her, a faithful example of someone who's devoted to following the Lord, and you ought to treat her with respect and with honor that characterizes uh, the way that she has uh, served and lives her life. He goes on to say to help her and to give her any help she may need from you, for she has been a great help to many people, including me. Uh, so, you know, when you see people involved in that kind of ministry and you appreciate it, you need to convey that to them, we're willing to help you. We're willing to long, come alongside of you. One of the things I try to convey to any of our Sunday school teachers or other people involved in ministry, if you have things that you think would help you to do your job, let us know. If you think you could benefit from going away and getting some additional training, if you could use certain equipment, we appreciate your ministry and we want to be behind you to help that happen. And that's, he says, give her whatever help she needs because we all need help. And so in carrying on those things and participating, there's this, this reminder. Um, the other part of it is in 1 Timothy 5, 
verse 3, when it talks, verses 3 to 10, particularly 3 to 5, and then 9 and 10, it talks about uh, women who have been faithful and continue to be faithful in the life of church, but their circumstances have changed. They're now in the later stages of life. Uh, the old King James used the term of widows indeed, or in our newer translations, it says widows who are really in, in need. And it says, so you need to give proper recognition to these widows who are really in need. They don't have family to care for them. Uh, uh, they're people who love the Lord. They depend on the Lord. It uses that description in 1 Timothy uh, 5, verse 5. And they have continued to be a godly example and faithful. They're just, they aren't able to do the things they used to do, but they still love the Lord. They serve the Lord, and you ought to... Reach in and help meet financial needs, personal attention needs, uh, care for them. And that's part of the description of, it, of helping. You help them minister and you help them when they're no longer able to minister in that same way any longer. You also see in verse 3 an expression of, of gratitude. Uh, Paul particularly talks about Priscilla and Aquila. And he says, they risked their lives for me. And not only I, but all the churches of the Gentiles are grateful to them. Um, See, so appreciated how, do you appreciate how much you have benefited from people that went before you? There are benefits that I got to appreciate when I first came to this church a long time ago from people I never met, but they had been involved in ministry and done things. It, just a very simple, funny example. We had a, a white painted cake with little uh, candles on it that kids sang happy birthday. You know, remember that cake? How many remember that cake? Okay. That cake apparently was made by Grandma Freely, who lived in the house I live in now, by the way. <laughs> but made that drill hole in it, and, and that was used for yeah, so that's a very simple thing, but what was it used for? It's to show kids they were appreciated and someone interested and invested in them when they were small. And uh, there's other names. One of the things I've done over the years is read through a lot of church records. And there's a lot of people that I never knew, but were a faithful part of this church and community that served for for years, and, and uh, are you grateful for that? Grateful for the benefits of faithful servant as an example of those who have gone before you. Uh, one of the ways you express gratitude to some of those people, especially in the later stages of their lives, is just keep connected with them. Send a card. Take them out to lunch or for a meal. Older saints often feel forgotten and unappreciated. I can remember the pastor's wife in Sherman sharing with me that uh, she grew up in Ithaca area and, and her parents were involved in starting the, the Tabernacle Baptist Church in Ithaca. And uh, now her mother is a widow and well up in years and mostly confined to home. And there'd been a lot of changes, but she said that one of the most difficult things, uh, nobody even knew her mother anymore or was connected to her. That the, there's just nobody in the church 
kept in touch. And, uh, and so just regular contact, phone call, a visit, keep, keep updated. On the, you know, there's people I go visit. I take uh, an example of that who's now in Texas is Jewel. When I was visiting Jewel in the nursing home, you know, she wanted to know what was going on in the life of the church. She wanted quarterly reports. She wanted to see financial reports. She wanted prayer sheets. She wanted both. She wanted to know what was happening in people's lives because she'd invested a lot of her life and time and energy in this church and in people. And, and so one of the interesting things for her at this stage in Texas, she can watch online. She may very well be watching today and actually be able to participate more at this stage than she was for a time period because of some of the modern uh, connections. Uh, and you could say that about others. The second thing you see in this passage is the characteristics of these women that were involved in, in ministry. So he says, I commend to you our sister Phoebe. So just that little phrase, our sister. It's a fellow believer. Uh, sometimes the bonds in the life of the church are closer than that of family. Um, there's this bond of Christian love. There's, Paul's talking about a faithful, loyal supporter that are involved in the ministry and the church family together. And this is, this is family. It's a spiritual family, but it has bonds and relationships that, that we have that kind of connection with. He also says that she's a servant of the church in Sancria. She had a, a servant's heart. She worked at ministry. The, the actual word here is the, the word we get deaconess from, but it, it carries with it the idea of visiting the sick, assisting younger women, helping the poor. It's often behind-the-scenes servants whose labor is often unmentioned and taken for granted. You know, there, there's no area more true of that than being a mother. <laughs> You know, when do you hear anything as a mother? You hear the complaint when something they want isn't there because they assume it's always going to be there. You know, I'm always supposed to have a drawer full of clean clothes and food on the table and all these things. I just, I assume they're going to be there and we miss that. Same can be so much of the life of the church. You assume it's going to be there because somebody has a servant heart. And are doing those things on a consistent basis. It's, it's interesting. As you know, our extended family gets together a couple times a, a year for several days. And uh, one of the things you need to teach the next generation, if you ever want those things to continue, is how much work it takes behind the scene to make what happens on the scene happen. You can come and enjoy the event, but until somebody takes to heart and understands the amount of labor that goes behind it and becomes a part of it happening, it'll quickly fade. Same thing in the life of the church. You appreciate and enjoy what's going on. Who's stepping up? Who understands how important those behind-the-scenes servant heart attitudes are as a part of that ministry? Uh, it says of her also she was a helper. She had been a great help to many people, including me. And that talks about uh, to care for, to give aid to, or to direct or guide things behind the scenes. Phoebe, because of this letter and other things, you, 
and the culture of the time, because of her ability to travel and the different things, was probably a, a wealthy member of the higher end of the society of the time. Um, vast majority of people in church were servants and others that would have been confined. Uh, but she was in a position of higher social position and had the opportunity of helping others in ways, maybe financially, influentially, hospitality. What you find out, many of these people held services in their home. My church was here. You're coming to my house today. We have at least one house in the, in the community here that I know holds services every Sunday morning in their home. Um, and how many cars come, and there's quite a few that park there and hold the service in their home. So if this church broke down, how many, how many of you are going to let us come to your house next Sunday? So, and we probably would have to divide up a, among a few of you. You probably wouldn't want to, you know, maybe we meet in the barn or the garage or the woods. But um, there are, in the life of the church, there's ample opportunity for sustained activity to help and encourage other people. And it takes all sorts of, of forms. Uh, you get down to verses 3 and 4 as he talks about Priscilla and Aquila. He calls them his fellow workers. See, we're in this together. Uh, and again, this couple particularly, their names, you know, when you, when you said one, you said the other. And, and that comes up that way. Um, and so what you're finding in this passage is that women from all walks and status in life served the Lord. One was a wife, one was a single mom, one was uh, a mother. Some were not mothers at all, not married at all. But they all did valuable service to the Lord. And that same thing could have been said of my list that I read to you at the beginning. People in all sorts of circumstances, different circumstances financially, different circumstances family and, and otherwise. But they had a desire to be workers for Christ. So Priscilla and Aquila risked their life for Paul, probably by identifying with him during the riots in Ephesus that happened because of the preaching and so many people getting saved that, that the people that made idols for the other false gods were getting upset, their business was falling off and all this was happening and, and so they were trying to uh, kill Paul and, and the different individuals that risked their life to try to save him under those circumstances. They were probably involved in that. But uh, he lived and worked with them in, in Corinth. They were tent makers. You know, we often hear of tent making ministry. Where'd that come from? It comes from Priscilla and Aquila that essentially traveled around with Paul and worked a job to help support his ministry. And he'd work with them some of the time. And when there was enough so to support him, he'd go back full time into ministry. But, but they were involved in moving in different locations to help him carry on his ministry. And so they faithfully and loyally served the Lord. They traveled with him. They stayed behind to strengthen the church in Ephesus. And they even, they were grounded. When Apollos comes along, that new fiery preacher. But he didn't have, he, what he preached was accurate, but he was incomplete in his knowledge. And so when you read in the ex, end of Acts, Priscilla and Aquila take the guy outside and help instruct him in further in God's word. 
They didn't confront him in public and point out, you know, you silly guy, you think you know everything, you don't know anything yet. You know, that's where we all started out. They came alongside and were his strengthened him, equipped him, and he became a powerful tool used by God because people who behind the scenes were supportive and were fellow workers and involved in making that happen in his life. And so they helped disciple and equip Apollos. And so when you hear that term fellow workers, I, I hope that's your mindset, that I'm a fellow worker. I'm involved in God's word and whatever ministry I'm involved in, God has called me to be a part of that just as much as he's called you to be a pastor. That we're in this together and it's all significant. Whatever role we have is it's one that God has called us to, uh, to be a part of. What's interesting in this passage, particularly in that color, Priscilla's name shows up first most of the time. That would have been pretty rare in that culture. Um, probably a more outgoing personality. Isn't it interesting how the Lord brings us together and how different we are sometimes? And how complementary roles can be with one another? And in this particular instance, uh, she seemed to be a very gifted person whose ministry was done in such a way that sometimes she was the visible presence, even though they were involved in that together. And, uh, sometimes one has a lot more energy to get things done. And we're going to see that term used. Um, but those two people, Priscilla and Aquila, were willing to make great sacrifices for the Lord and for the aid of Paul's ministry. So when he reflects on them as fellow workers, he, he's just saying, man, I don't know how God could have accomplished what he's done without the help that you've been in, in this ministry together. You come down to verse 6, and it tries to greet Mary who worked very hard for you. And then in verse 12, it says, greet Trophina and Trophosa, those women who work hard in the Lord, and greet my dear friend Persis, another woman who has worked very hard in the Lord. Uh, Hard-working women for the Lord. They performed valuable service. They were motivated by their relationship with the Lord, their fellowship with the Lord, and they put in hours and effort to the point sometimes of exhaustion when you, you see the terms that are used to describe that. There's a little danger warning I'd throw in along there that sometimes in the busyness of the Lord's work, the busyness and the work becomes a substitute for our relationship for the Lord. Can't let that happen. You ought to be motivated by your love for the Lord to serve him. Don't let the busy work keep you from your relationship to the Lord. You'll burn out. You know, sometimes you have to step back and, and do some other things to say, Hey, am I doing this with a love for the Lord? And if not, I need to reflect on that. And, and do I need to change the kind of ministry? But we need to be willing to work hard for the work, Lord. And they worked unsparingly and continuously. And, uh, and again, some people just seem to have boundless energy for the Lord. They work circles around you. Don't try to keep up with them. Find your own niche, your own way of serving. But you ought to work hard for the Lord in your own way doesn't have to be like somebody else. Just thinking about what some people do will wear you out. So you, you don't do the same things. See, those, 
those two mentioned, I call them TNT, Trophina and Trophosa. They're, the words, I, I forget now exactly. One means like dainty and the other. They're words about some delicate little old women. Okay? But what were they? Hard workers for the Lord. As a kid growing up, uh, I can remember the name of two ladies called Alice and Lola. Alice grew up as a church and I opened with my parents. I never knew Alice and Lola from that church. I knew them as missionaries that that church supported. I don't, they were Bible club missionaries in the hills of Kentucky who devoted their lives to kids, never married, never had kids of their own, went into schools and ministered to children. And we occasionally would go to visit them and they'd occasionally come to visit us. But when I see those names, it reminds me of people like that devoted to the Lord, whatever their circumstances, they found a way to serve and to, and to be in a niche. And, and that's what they did. And that's seemingly what you see about these particular people. Faithful in serving the Lord and ministering that way. And then in verse 13, you read, greet Rufus, chosen in the Lord and his mother, who has been a mother to me. I always have fun with this. In college, my nickname was Rufus. I don't, did any of you know that beside my old family? I don't even know if they knew that. I don't know as any of you ever. I, I never shared it before. So now I can share it because I'm out of here. <laughs> my nickname was Rufus. Do you know what Rufus means? It means redhead. Once upon a time, I had red hair. I still had it in college. I got the nickname Rufus. But do you notice what it says? Greet Rufus and his mother, who was a mother to me. See, you need people to mother you. And you may not always get that in your own setting. And you may not get that, especially if you're in public positions or ministry roles and other kinds of things. Uh, but here's someone who seemingly provided unconditional love to Paul, a place for rest and refreshment. She saw needs and met them. You know, maybe she knew all his favorite foods and served them when he showed up. I don't, I don't know what she did. It just says, she mothered me. Uh, but she provided individual attention to someone in a busy and demanding ministry. That here's somebody who's not looking to get something from me. They're looking to care for me, to minister to me. Children that you see in your community and your church need mothered and grandmothered. There are boatloads of them that they're basically running their own life by the time they're able to walk. And uh, they need mothering. We need intergenerational mothering. One of the great things about a small country church is you know everybody from this high to 100. 
I mean, you know their names, and you have, you know, you have a certain reflection about them. Even if you don't know much about them, you, you have interacted, and you ought to interact. You know, don't avoid the age things. If, you, if you're young mothers, take your kids with you and go visit some old person. You'll make their day just by the pure chaos you cause by walking through the door. Because they can watch chaos happen from a distance maybe. But, you know, I know when our children are young, we'd go visit Terry's grandfather in Pleasant View Nursing Home on the other side of Erie at that particular time. People be sitting in the wheelchairs in the hall just reaching out for your kids, just wanting, just the idea of seeing a kid and interacting with them. Um, it works both ways. So be, be intergenerational. Paul was getting mothered as an adult man. Here's someone that, that cared, was involved. See, people ought to remember about this. That this is a place where people loved and cared for me. That ought to be part of their experience and response to what happened to me growing up in church. That's a place where people loved and cared for me. See, Paul was a friend maker as well as a soul winner. His friends included many godly women. We all have strengths and weaknesses. We need people to complement our ministries. Paul appreciated the part other people played in his ministry and the ministry of the church. Women have always made up a significant part of the church. Women and men enjoy equal status and access to God. Women were and are engaged in significant ministries in the life of the church. And Paul esteemed them highly for their work's sake. He saw them as co-workers, fellow laborers, whose ministries were just as significant as his own. They were all one in Christ and for Christ, and there were many things that Christian women could do in ways that he could never do. And he was appreciative of that involvement. So even though there are some roles or some limitations on what women may do from what we feel is the biblical background, it's not really about men and women. It's about individual believers using their God-given ability to faithfully serve the Lord. Godly women have faithfully served the Lord in this church for decades. And we're reminded in Revelation 14, 13, their deeds will follow them. By the people they've influenced and by the Lord's recognition of their faithful service. We need to commend, to help, to honor, to encourage faithful ministry of godly women in their homes, in their church families, in their community. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for a godly heritage of men and women that love you and are willing to serve you, and we think particularly today, we think of these young mothers represented and uh, how underappreciated that responsibility is and uh, help us to encourage and support and, and pray for these young mothers. 
for faithful women who have continued to minister, whether in Sunday school or discipleship or behind-the-scenes activities that is such a, a vital part of how we represent you to the, to the world. It's not just in our words, but our actions and deeds that are so often represented in, in the person of godly women showing the love of Christ to needy people around them. May they be thanked even this day for that type of ministry. And may you help to raise up the next generation of godly women to influence this world and our homes. In Jesus' name, amen. Oh. <laughs> so you're gonna you're gonna stand to sing, and when you do, you're gonna the ladies get to come for flowers while you're singing, and you can also send somebody in your place, and particularly today, uh, even if you're not a mother, we've talked about the ministry of godly women in the church of many different roles. Um, so we'd like all the women to. Come and get a flower today and uh, just recognize as we sing this song, you know, I hope it's a reflection of your thoughts as you come. I only have one life, Lord, and you know what it's like, and I want to serve you with it, whatever roles I have. So let's stand. Only one life to offer, Jesus my Lord and King. Only one tongue to praise Him, and of Thy mercy sing. Only one heart's devotion, Savior, oh may it be. Consecrated alone to thy matchless glory, yielded fully to thee. Only this flower is mine, Lord, may it be used for thee. May every passing moment count for eternity. Souls all about are dying, dying in sin and shame. Help me bring them the message of Calvary's redemption in thy glorious name. Only one life to offer, take it, dear Lord, I pray. Nothing from thee withholding, thy will I now obey. Thou who hast freely given, thine all in all for me. Claim this life for thine own to be used, my Savior. Every moment for thee. Now I know there's at least three women 
serving in ministry behind the scenes today even. So there's a couple in the nursery. There's one in junior church. And, and we want to make sure they get a, a flower. But after that, if, they're, if your mother is somebody you're going to see, uh, there's no use of the flower sitting here in church all week. So if you would, there's someone that you feel would benefit from taking one to them, then we give you that opportunity. Just one other reminder this morning. The war boutique out there is just here still today, and then it's gone. So, you know, if you forgot your Mother's Day gift and, and want to support some lady who's trying to make a living to care for her child, there's an opportunity. Father, we thank you for your love. We thank you for the diversity of the way that you have created us. And we thank you for the mother's heart that is represented, whether a person is a mother or not, that has that serving, helping, loving heart to do that which is necessary, whether seen or unseen, out of love for you and love for that child. Help us to be represented in that way in our lives and our service. In Jesus' name, amen.